morning. Happy summer. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's officially summer. Um, and I'm grateful to be here to worship with you this morning. I want to say before we go any further, I am so grateful. For, what's up, Matt? Good to see you, buddy. Um, we'll catch up after the service. Uh, hey, I'm so grateful for our time of worship this morning. Um, Arthur, thank you, and Julia, and Frank, and Ross, and who else? Tommy, and Noel, and Nick, and Johnny uh, for leading us today. Um, his loving kindness is better than life. And um, my heart is moved and full. Um, and so thank you guys for, for that leadership and worship today. So glad that you are with us. Um, it's summertime. And before we go any further, it is Memorial Day weekend. And I just want to take a minute to acknowledge um, that there are those who have served our country by giving their lives as a sacrifice um, for the freedoms that we hold dear as a nation. Um, and uh, I just want us to take a minute in, in reflection and gratitude and just kind of have a moment of silence. There are families uh, all over our nation who, um, who have lost loved ones, uh, who this Memorial Day weekend, they will not have those loved ones with them to celebrate cookouts and, uh, and the beach and the pool. And uh, we are incredibly grateful, and we should never take that for granted. And, of course, people who sacrifice their lives ultimately are a picture of Jesus Christ who sacrificed his life for us. And so uh, I believe God is honored when we, when we honor those who have made that sacrifice. So just want us to take a moment um, of, of, of reflection and, and silence and a time of prayer to honor those folks, if you'll pray with me. Lord God, we do thank you this morning for the love that is demonstrated through sacrifice. Jesus, you told us greater love has no one than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And so, Lord, we thank you for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the benefit of others. Lord, we thank you that in this selfless act, we see a picture of your gospel so thank you, God, and we, we honor those who have made that sacrifice, and we pray for comfort and strength and peace for those families who have lost loved ones. This Memorial Day weekend, as we celebrate, God, I pray that we would also remember. Lord, help us not to just gloss over it, but to put faces with the names of those who gave their life and to be people who are full of gratitude and honor. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. And I also want to honor somebody else this morning. This uh, really all throughout the month of May, we've been honoring people. We honored mothers and we honored graduates. We honored uh, those who serve as heroes, first responders, police, firefighters, those in our medical community. Um, and today we honor those who have fallen, but I, but I also want to honor one individual who has been a part of our church for a long time and who has served as a part of the staff of our church for a long time, and that is Mary Adams. And Miss Mary, I'm going to ask you to come up here for just a minute. Let's give her a hand as she comes. Uh, 
Come on down. Mary loves this, by the way. Come on up. Mary, how long have you served on the church staff? Ninety-seven. That's over twenty years, and uh, we just Mary is. Uh, she served in children's ministry. She served as a nursery coordinator, children's ministry coordinator. She served uh, helping with administrative things in the office. She served as um, our next steps director, helping people take their next step. If you, if you, if it was ever your first time here at Orlando Baptist Church, Mary is probably the one who followed up with you, and uh, Mary is stepping down from her duties at the church to take on more duties as a grandma. And uh, she's got lots of grandkids and more, yeah. And I know her kids are really excited to have grandma to be able to watch their kids during the week. And so Mary, we thank you, we love you, we honor you, and we are so grateful for how you serve. Mary's not going anywhere, she'll still be around, but just don't ask her to questions anymore because, you know, she'll still know the answers probably, but... Um, but she's not on the clock anymore. So, uh, but thank you so much, Mary. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, we are starting a series through the summer, uh, going through the book of Psalms. We're just ca calling it Summer in the Psalms. Um, the book of Psalms is a book of 150 um, chapters or, or 150 different psalms written by multiple different authors. King David wrote many of the psalms. Solomon wrote some of the psalms. There's a guy named Asaph that wrote a lot of the psalms. And for centuries, they made up really the hymn book of the church, prayers and songs of worship. For the Jewish people, this was the songs that they sang when they went to worship. There's a section in the Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And it's the, it's the songs that they would sing as they walked up the steps to the temple to gather to worship. In the book of Psalms, we see psalms and songs of celebration. We see psalms of lament and pouring out our heart to God, asking the hard questions of life. We see sometimes where David writes psalms that are called imprecatory psalms. Everybody say that with me, imprecatory psalms. He prays things like, God, slay my enemies. <laughs> Wipe them out from the face of the earth. Because the psalms are raw. They're not polished. Written in our English language, they kind of read like poetry. But when David was writing psalms, he was pouring out his heart to God. He asked questions like, God, why have you forgotten about me? How long are you going to leave me down here in the dust? And if we're honest, we all face seasons in life where we ask hard questions. And Psalm, the book of Psalms reminds us that God is big enough for those hard questions. He's not put off when we come to him with questions like that, when we come to him and pour out our heart and our tears, God is not put off by those things. In fact, he longs to hear from us. And so uh, really through this summer, we're just going to kind of go through the book of Psalms. And um, I'm going to speak some and we're going to have some other people speak and just teach different chapters throughout the book of Psalms. And today we're going to start in Psalm 1, right? What better place to start than the very beginning? <laughs> 
And Psalm 1 is actually not a prayer like many of the other psalms are. Psalm 1 is, is kind of a, an intro to the book of Psalms. It kind of kicks off the book of Psalms and gives us some principles this morning um, that really point to happiness. And so we're going to talk about that. The, the title of the message this morning is Happy People. And uh, we're going to discover what that means. But let me, let me read. And why don't you stand up with me and we'll all read together out of Psalm 1. It's only six verses. So I'll just ask you to read along with me. It will be on the screen so we can read out loud together. All right. Ready? Here we go. Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Lord, bless your word today. Speak to us through your living word that is powerful and has the ability, power to change and transform us. So give us ears to hear, hearts to obey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. Well, as we go through the book of Psalms this summer, I want to encourage you to kind of follow along by using the book of Psalms as a prayer guide for your, for your uh, quiet time this summer, whether you take some time in the morning or in the middle of the day or in the evening and just read one of the Psalms and, and allow it to guide your prayer. In fact, there's a really good resource. It's a little devotional book called The Songs of Jesus. It's written by Tim Keller and his wife Kathy, who were, he was a pastor in New York City for many years. I use this in my own quiet time, and, and it just goes through a different psalm or a section of a different psalm every day, 365 days a year, and it's an incredible resource. It will be encouraging to you. You can take a picture of that on the screen and then go on Amazon and pick it up. Uh, and I know that will be encouraging for you this summer. So we're looking at, at Psalm chapter 1, and this morning we're going to see, uh, based on this psalm, uh, that happiness is possible, right? That doesn't sound very profound uh, to many of you. You thought, I came to church to hear that. Well, we're, we'll get a little deeper into it. Uh, but happiness is possible based on this psalm. It starts off by saying, how happy is the one, and then it goes on to explain and give us some principles to apply in order to experience this kind of happiness. Now, in many translations, it says blessed is the man or blessed is the one, and this word blessed and, and happy are really interchangeable in the original language. It's this state of contentment, this state of satisfaction. That's what happiness is after all, right? A, a state of satisfaction or contentment or pleasure or fulfillment. And when David writes, happy is the one, blessed is the one, he's talking about this kind of happiness or joy that we have access to. As you go through life, many times we, we, we kind of become cynical, and maybe some of you are there and you think, yeah, you know, happiness, that's for those 
That's for those, you know, lighten the loafers kind of people, you know, those wishy-washy folks, you know. It's, it's, I, I don't care about happiness. I'm just, I'm just going to grind it out and do my duty and, and get through life. And as long as I do what's right, happiness, that, that doesn't really matter. And, and look, that's not true. Happiness is possible, but we often go about it in all the wrong ways, right? We know that's true. So about 200 years ago or so, we entered a period in in human history called the Enlightenment, which kind of led to the modern age. And there were statements like, man is the measure of all things, and I think, therefore, I am. These statements about about our intellect and about our ability to, to, to discover ourselves and discover happiness through invention and through ingenuity and through wisdom and through effort on our own part. And there were all these incredible thinkers and philosophers. And it, and it kind of led to this age of enlightenment, this, this idea that we could discover happiness. In fact, it's written into our founding documents as a nation, right? The pursuit of happiness is, is part of our founding documents. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This idea of pursuing and attaining happiness, and, and we try to do that through discovery, and we try to do that through technology, and, and we invent things in order to make life easier, right, to make life happier. We don't have to spend all our time cooking anymore. We can just pop it in the microwave and beep, 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 beep. doesn't taste quite as good, but it's really fast, right, and we don't have to spend time cooking. I mean, we can go to, in, in the city of Orlando, we have any restaurant we want. Any kind of food we want at our fingertips. I mean, we don't even have to go to the restaurant anymore. We can call Uber Eats or DoorDash and it just comes to our door. Right? We've invented all of these ways to make life easier, to make life better. We've invented technology. We've got social media that connects us with people all over the world. We're more connected than we've ever been, but... I would go as far to say that I I think we're more unhappy than we've ever been. Because in the modern age, we said if we can can just discover ways, if we can just find ways to make life easier and to, to, to make our work less cumbersome, then we will be happy. I mean, several generations ago, people worked harder with less vacation, And it seems like there might have been more contentment than there is today because we pursue happiness in the wrong way. Today we live kind of in the postmodern age. It's no longer about uh, about discovery and and achievement. It's about personal awareness. And And if I can just find my identity, if I can just discover who I am and find my truth, right, not the truth but my truth, then I'll finally be happy. And the reality is that doesn't bring us happiness either because your truth can never bring you happiness until you find the truth. So we're going to look at that this morning. And David gives us some principles in Psalm chapter 1. He tells us that happiness is possible when he says how happy is the one. But what Psalm 1 also tells us is that happiness matters to God. And that's really good news. Not only is happiness possible, but your happiness matters to God. He desires for you. 
to experience happiness and joy and fulfillment and contentment. God desires those things for you. That's a big deal. Because of a lot of, a lot of us think the Christian life should be more like this. Do you guys remember Waldorf and Statler? Right? Remember those guys? Right? We think we're only a really good Christian if we live life this way. Whatever it is, I'm against it. Just kind of grumpy and unhappy. This kind of sense of, of uh, you know, this permanent scowl on our face. And it, I'm joking a little bit, but we've all met those Christians before, right? That's not what God wants for us. He wants our happiness. He wants our joy. He gives us instructions in this scripture for how we can find it. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, it's a section called the Beatitudes. Jesus tells us, blessed is the one, but it could also be translated, happy is the one. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy is the one who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for he will be filled. Happy are the meek. All of these things are instructions that God gives us in order to find that sense of deep satisfaction and fulfillment and contentment, happiness. God desires it for us. It matters to God. It's possible. One of my favorite quotes, there's an author named John Piper. He wrote a book called Desiring God, and he says this, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is not glorified when we just, uh, you know, knuckle down and do our duty. God is glorified when we are satisfied in him. When we experience his goodness, when we experience his joy in our lives, that's when God is most glorified in us. So happiness is possible. God desires our happiness. But the scripture also tells us that happiness is deep. It's not superficial. And the problem is many times in life we're trying to find this kind of superficial happiness that we can just kind of sprinkle on. Right? This kind of happiness that we just, if I could just get this thing or that thing or if I could just achieve this thing or that thing, then I would be happy. And we can just kind of sprinkle that happiness on our life. It's this kind of superficial pursuit for many people. For you... If you're being honest, you could probably point to times in your life where you pursued something to bring happiness, joy, or fulfillment, and it did not end well. There's things that all of us have pursued that, man, in the end, they cost us more than we ever thought they would. We thought it would bring us happiness. We thought it would bring us contentment. We thought it would bring us joy. But at the end, it cost us. The happiness that this scripture is talking about is a deep kind of happiness. It says this in uh, verse 3, Psalm 1 verse 3, it says that this happy man is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. It's this picture of a deep down source. It's not, it's not just a makeup that we put on. It's not just a, 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 an outfit that we put on. It, it's something that, that comes from within when we tap into the source. It's the tree that's planted by the streams of water whose roots go deep and find nourishment and find 
and find satisfaction. This is the source of happiness. It's not something that we achieve by some external measure or external goal. It's something that we have to tap into. Jesus says it another way in John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. It's this idea of, of abiding, of remaining in, of tapping into the source. And as David talks about this man who is who is experiencing happiness, he talks about this man who is like a tree planted by streams of water who finds the true source of happiness. It's not something external. It's something down deep inside that transforms him from the inside out. From the inside out. He says this tree that's planted by water, it bears fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. This person who's experiencing this this happiness, this righteous happiness, this godly happiness, this, this joy, this contentment that only comes from God. They go through seasons, right? There are dry seasons and there are seasons of abundance and seasons of plenty. And we all go through seasons in our life. Some are more difficult than others. Uh, Brooke and I and, and our kids just got to go up to North Georgia, it kind of into the mountains for a few days. Um, there's a house up there that we were able to go stay in. And we went up there in January as well. And we were up there in January, it, everything was dead, right? There were no leaves on any of the trees because it was, it was winter. But we went up there this past week and everything was green. There was leaves on all the trees. There were flowers blooming. We don't experience that in Florida because everything's just green all the time, you know kind of take those seasons for granted. In Florida, we have the not quite as hot season and then the really, 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 really hot season. And we're getting into really, really, really hot season. But there are seasons in life. And, and David says, this happy man, the one who finds the source of contentment and happiness, even when he goes through difficult seasons, he does not wither under the difficulty. He does not wither under the heat. He does not wither when the season is dry because he's tapped in to a source that is deeper than his own experience, that is deeper than his own achievement, that is deeper than his own goals, that is deeper than his own desires. It's something deeper. The picture that we have, and then he says the wicked are not so, they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. It's kind of the difference between a tumbleweed and this tree that's planted by water, right? This is the picture that David gives us in this chapter. He says, happy is the one whose roots run deep into the source, into the river. And, and the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away, the tumbleweed that just blows in the wind. It's the picture that he gives us. He points out that there is a happiness that we have access to, but it's not something that we achieve on our own. It's something that we, that we abide in, something that we 
experience that comes into us and gives us joy and contentment from the inside out. The last thing to see in, in this passage is happiness is possible. God desires our happiness. It matters to him. It's deep. It's not superficial. It's not something that we just, if I just do this, this, and this, then I'll be happy. No, it's something that we have to tap into. And even when we don't achieve all of our goals, we can still experience happiness. And the last thing is this. It requires a decision. Happiness requires a decision. Starts off, how happy is the one, and he gives us kind of a negative here. It says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. He gives us these kind of three principles. These are things to avoid. Walking in the advice of the wicked. This is kind of the intellectual pursuit of happiness. We think the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of our culture, the wisdom of pop psychology will, will accomplish what we need it to accomplish, will, will bring us happiness. Or stand in the pathway of sinner. This is about actions, being in the pathway, the things that we pursue. Or sit in the company of mockers. And, and sitting is this idea of, of abiding, right? The, the tree that is planted by the streams of water is a tree that sits or abides in the stream, in the source. David says, those who sit or abide in the company of mockers, those who, who, uh, who mockers literally say, scoff at the idea of a God who is truth, who is the ultimate authority. Mockers say, eh, that's ridiculous. I want freedom. I want to do things my own way. That's ridiculous. David says, happy is the one who does not take advice or walk in the pathway or sit in the company of those who mock, who disbelieve. There's this negative idea of, of something to turn away from. And, and for us, it's this idea that we have to turn away from pursuing happiness on our own terms. It's kind of what this is talking about, it's pursuing happiness on our own terms or on the terms of the culture around us. That, that we pursue these things that we think are going to bring satisfaction. These things that we think are going to bring us joy. We never gain happiness by pursuing happiness. That's just not how it works. Not true happiness, not lasting happiness, not true fulfillment, not deep fulfillment, if our top priority is seeking happiness, we'll always compromise truth. I believe in telling the truth unless it's going to get me in trouble because my happiness is more important than the truth. I, I, I believe in doing what's right unless I can get ahead by doing what's wrong. <laughs> I believe in God, but I want to live life on my own terms. When we pursue our satisfaction, our pleasure, our fulfillment, our happiness above all else, we'll never truly experience it. If you try to make your career, your marriage, your kids, your success, your number one, it will fail you every time and you will crush those good things in your life because those things were not designed to bring happiness. 
And so David says, happy is the one who does not seek the advice or walk in the way or sit down with those who are pursuing life on their own terms. It says turn away from those things. Stop trying to pursue happiness on your own terms because it will never go your way. In the church, this is a challenge. It, some of you probably have heard the term prosperity gospel. And there are those within the church that teach if you follow God, you're going to get everything you want. You're going to get the car you want, the house you want. Everything's going to be perfect. You're never going to have a hard day. Man, that is not, that's not true. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But fear not because I've overcome the world. There will be hard seasons in life. Only having happy seasons all the time is not the kind of happiness that God promises us. He promises happiness in spite of the difficult seasons. If we will be deeply rooted in him and turn away from trying to pursue life and happiness on our own terms. So there's this decision that we have to make. There's this negative side. Blessed is the one who does not pursue happiness on their own terms, but who rather delights in God's word. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. It's God never tells us not to do something without giving us something better in return. God never just says, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. He, if he ever tells us not to do something, it's because he has something better for us in return. Do y'all do see that? God's not just about what not to do. He says, look, don't do those things because I've got something better for you. Don't do those things because I've got something better for you, something that will bring you more fulfillment and contentment than you ever thought possible. We turn towards him. We delight in the Lord's instruction. That's his word. But it's also his truth. It's the gospel. It, it's the reality that God is the ultimate authority. He is the creator. I read out of Isaiah this morning just in my own quiet time. Um, is, is the... Is the clay like the potter? No. The one who created, he gets to call the shots is basically what Isaiah said. That's God's instruction. The scripture reveals to us that there is a God who is the ultimate authority. And if we will submit to him, then we will live in his kingdom and blessing. It's not just about what not to pursue. It's, it's that there's something better. Blessed, happy is the one who does not Pursue happiness on his own terms, but who turns to the Lord. Who delights in the Lord, in his truth, in his kingdom, in his way. And when we pursue that, we get happiness and joy and contentment too. You see, there's a difference between pursuing God because he is God and the ultimate authority and pursuing God because we think he's going to give us everything that we wanted. One of those is pursuing God. The other one is pursuing a butler or Santa Claus, I guess, you know. 
When we come to God, we don't come to him on our own terms. We come to him on his terms. And when we do, we will experience joy, satisfaction, happiness. We delight in him. We meditate on his truth. This idea of meditating on God's truth is reminding ourselves every day, reminding ourselves every day that God is good, that his loving kindness is better than life. Let that be your meditation this week. Just every, every day this week, just remind yourself, God, your loving kindness is better than life. God, your loving kindness is better than life. Your steadfast love endures forever. When we meditate on those truths, we begin to become deeply rooted like that tree by streams of water. The challenge is that a lot of us say, yeah, but that, that tree that's planted by the water, it's stuck there. It doesn't get to go wherever it wants to anymore. I'd rather be like that tumbleweed that just kind of blows wherever it wants to go. The tumbleweed's dead. <laughs> I mean, sure, it, it's not stuck by the water, but it's dead. And... Ultimately, those tumbleweeds, they end up in the fire. I'm just saying, we're just following this analogy all the way to its end. <laughs> but we lie to ourselves that way. We say, I'll be happier if I'm like the tumbleweed because I get to go whatever I want and call my own shots. Well, the tumbleweed doesn't call its own shots. Life just, the wind blows it wherever it wants to go. It thinks it's free, but it's just being blown along by the wind. And when we think we're calling our own shots, we are lying to ourselves. Because life and culture and our own selfish desires are the thing blowing us along. And we don't realize it, but we're dead spiritually. And it doesn't end well in Psalm chapter 1. The wicked are not like this. They're like the chaff that the wind Blows away, therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Oh, come on, pastor. I thought this was about happiness. Why are you, why are you talking about judgment? Happy is the one who does not. But if we choose to pursue happiness on our own terms... It ends in judgment. I say that because I love you. And I say that because God has something better for you. You can be like that tree planted by streams of water. Who yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. That's what God wants for us. It's what he wants for us. What an incredible thought that God cares enough about you to warn you. You can be like the chaff, the tumbleweed that blows away, or you can be like the tree planted by the stream, the evergreen tree. But to experience God's joy and happiness, it calls for a decision. The bottom line of happiness and Psalm 1 is repentance and faith. 
repentance and faith. Mark 1.15, John the Baptist is, is preparing the way for the Messiah. And he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the principle all throughout Scripture. Repent means to turn away, to change your thinking, to change your path. Blessed is the one who does not, who turns away from the counsel of the wicked and the pathway of sinners and the seed of mockers. He turns away, repents from those things, and puts his faith in the instructions of the Lord. And takes delight in them and meditates on them. And his roots will go deep and he will find the source of joy and happiness and fulfillment that life could never bring. And so this morning as we consider the happy man of Psalm chapter 1, I just want to remind you that it's possible Maybe you've been trying and you've been straining and you've been trying to achieve it and you haven't found it yet. You still haven't found what you're looking for. I want to tell you that it's possible. You can find it. But it's not going to be on your own terms. God has made a way and he desires it for you. But you've got to make a choice. You've got to turn from doing it on your own terms and you've got to turn to him, the source of life and joy and fulfillment. We're going to take just a minute and, and just have a, a time of prayer. And we're going to do it by, uh, I'm going to give you some prompts. They're going to be on the screen. Just comes right out of Psalm chapter 1. And I just want you to pray through these things and, and take these prompts and then just turn it into a prayer. Verse 1 tells us that God is the source of our happiness. Happy is the man who. Verse 2 tells us that he gives us instructions for our happiness. He tells us how we can experience it. Verse 3, we see that he is life-giving like the tree planted by streams of water. Verse 5 tells us his words are pure and he is the judge. He will ultimately judge. He is the ultimate authority. Verse 6 tells us he protects his people from ruin. Let me just read all of Psalm 1 again. And, and then I want you to just take a few minutes and, and just kind of pray through these prompts. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers instead... His delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way the wicked leads to ruin. Let's just take a few minutes, use these prompts to guide your prayer.
God, we bless your name this morning. God, as we sing about your grace this morning, we are overwhelmed. That you desire good for us. Undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor and blessing. That's your grace, God. Grace that is greater than all our foolishness, all of our sin. We thank you. We thank you that you are the source of joy and contentment, of happiness. We thank you that you made a way for us to abide, to be united, to be joined with you, to be adopted into your fellowship, into your family, into your joy. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to warn us. You you told us, God, if you pursue these things, you will end up wanting. But if you will turn to me, you will gain all that you hoped for. All the joy you could ever want. Lord, we recognize that there will still be difficult seasons in life. (laughs) And Lord, we thank you that the book of Psalms tells us even in those difficult seasons, we can cry out to you. We can pour our hearts out to you. Lord, you don't turn away from that. But even in our difficult seasons, we can still be united to you. Our roots can still run deep, and when we feel like we are dry, Lord, there is still nourishment from you. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith to turn from our own pursuits, to turn from our sin and our selfishness and even our rebellion, to turn from the idea that life on our own terms will be better, than submitting and surrendering to you. And then, Lord, give us the faith to turn to you, to find our delight in you. It's only because of your grace. It's only because you made a way. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. 
we believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.